Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, we do this um, during this time uh, every year, and I do it because I just recognize where I came from. I did not grow up in a church that uh, celebrated the rhythm, if you will, of Advent. And part of what um, happens during these four weeks as we kind of run up to Christmas is we pause kind of all the other stuff that we have um, been thinking about or would possibly want to what, you know, kind of get off the ground. Or what, we just pause all of that to say it is good for us to anticipate um, uh, this season, but also anticipate what this means. And that is Jesus coming for us. And so um, we light these candles as, if you will, uh, visual cues, focal points uh, for us. No real magic in it. In fact, we kind of play the game. Will the candle light or will it not? I mean, that's always part of the excitement. Uh, but we, ex- um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, come on. Yes. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started with a candle of hope. And the, the message for us is that hope allows us, it gives us the resolve, the strength uh, to continue to go on when things don't, aren't necessarily going the way that we wish that they were. I don't know if you noticed or not, but things don't always go the way that we wish they would. Hope is what gives us the strength and the encouragement and the resources to continue on. And then last week we talked about the candle of peace and how it, um, what it does for us is, is remind us that there is a wholeness that comes um, in Jesus and through Jesus. Our relationship with God then is marked by peace. Not, not, not just um, tranquil seas and, and blue skies, but it really is marked by a steadiness, a wholeness in our life. Why? Because of what Jesus has done uh, for us. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul And then uh, this week, we light the candle of joy. And uh, many of you have asked the question before, uh, why is this candle pink? And I have no idea. That's the truth. And if you Google it, you get five different answers. So the idea is nobody actually knows. Maybe they ran out of purple wax. I just don't know. But the pink one is the candle of joy. Today, we're going to talk about joy. Um, and both, both this sermon as well as um, uh, the, 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 the encounter that we'll read here uh, in the text uh, reminded me of something just a little bit that happened this week. Um, Tyler came into the office. Uh, he's carrying a bag of something that somebody, uh, I guess maybe Andrea had bought for him. And he says, hey, do you want to try these? And again, I'm going to mess this up, Tyler. Edamame? Edamame. Anybody? Edamame? Oh, good. I had no idea until Tuesday or whatever it was that this was a thing. And they were wasabi flavored edamame with, um, that were like dry roasted or something. I don't know. It was in a little thing. He's like, Hey, you want to try these? It's kind of cool. Um, they have like a really fast spicy and then it goes away basically because it feels like you're chewing spicy paper mache, right? This is how this happens. So he gives me a thing and I'm like, okay, this is fun. I'll try this, pop it in my mouth. And guess what? It was a really, I, I'm, I love spicy food. Who's with me on that? Anybody with me on this? I like the kind of spicy though that like you eat it and you're like, oh, this is not what I, but then it crawls up on you and just stays with you, right? My mouth is watering right now just thinking about it, right? But it crawls up on you and stays with you. And like five minutes later, you're still drinking tea thinking this is good right here. This was not that. This was flash in the pan spicy, okay? And so you ate it and put it in your mouth and you're like, oh, that's different. This, I'm only saying this, not to make fun of Tyler, because it really is not a thing. I'm only saying this to say, um, this is a little bit like what we're going to encounter in the text. 
you think, this is the way this is going to go. Nope, that is not the way it's going to go. This is different. This is far different than anything that I've expected or encountered before. Both in the run-up of Mary and Joseph, but also in the actual response um, that that we'll see here from our our friend that we'll encounter in the text named Simeon. So uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Um, And what I would like to do is just kind of be the tour guide through the text here. And then at the end of the sermon, just give us two things uh, to think about. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens, who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There is a lot there. Of context, okay, and so let's just try to put some of that context in place. Um, so the, the them, when the time came for their purification, so the, the them that they're talking about is uh, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And so we have we have gone past; they've gone to Bethlehem. We've gone past the star. We've we have um, we're uh, past the shepherds and the angel that we looked at last week. We're kind of past all of that kind of stuff. We're 40 days, you know, the better part of six weeks, we're 40 days um, into this moment. Uh, Mary and Joseph are figuring their lives out uh, with a uh, six-week-old, yeah? For you parents in here, you know what this is like. You're just like on the cusp of, I might get more than two hours of sleep at a time, yeah? You with me on this? Uh, I mean, you're just kind of getting past the, yeah, we're, we're maybe, maybe just maybe starting to feel the rhythm of this. This is where they are. And in, um, in, in this particular, in first century, um, Jewish life, because of the, the laws that were in place, uh, the rituals that they are mentioned here, and there are several, uh, there are rituals that are tied to the seriousness of the occasion. They were supposed to go to Jerusalem. They were supposed to make an offering. They were supposed to show up and present themselves And all of this purification talk. Um, what was a, it was, it was pointing to the seriousness of the moment and the seriousness of the moment reflected both life, a new life has come into the world and death, because not only do you have like, I mean, serious infant mortality rates and, and parental maternal mortality rates, like you've got all of this stuff. And so they're just saying, God, you saw us through this moment right here, which is not smooth back in the first century. All the rituals that surrounded all of this are pointing to the seriousness of the moment. He says, uh, you're going to uh, do this according to the law of Moses, and you're going to do it where? In Jerusalem. This is how this is supposed to happen. In verse 23, um, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Why was that important? Because after all of the um, horrible things that Egypt did uh, to the people of Israel, and then the, the curses, the, the plagues that came on the people of Egypt as a result of that, the first, I mean, they are, um, this story, if you will, is being retold and retold and retold um, every time uh, the, the firstborn is kind of offered to the Lord and, and, and a uh, uh, sacrifice is made on his behalf. Okay, and so that, that's, that's that, the rituals. But, but notice that the, the blessing of the son, and the son was a blessing, the blessing of having a kid did, did not, uh, well, it still required their obedience. I mean, they didn't get off the hook just because an angel showed up or shepherds came in and busted in on their little, you know, birth party. Like, they, they, it's like, this is serious stuff here. The blessing required their obedience. It still required their obedience. 
And furthermore, part of their obedience, look at the end of verse 24, um, to offer a sacrifice to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. Um, and, And the reason why we note that little detail is because the normal offering was a lamb or a ram. But if the law made uh, provision that if you couldn't afford it, it was two turtle doves or two pigeons, a much, much smaller, cheaper animal. So, so what do we know about Mary and Joseph? They ain't middle class folk. They, I mean, they're like, they're, they're struggling. And, and the reason, again, I just point these kind of things out as we work our way through the passage is simply this. Um, God is not, like, some of us think, well, when I get this, this is how I'm going to serve God. When I attain this, this is how I'm going to serve God. God, and listen, he, he's already made provision for them. To, to step into obedience. And he's made provision for you to step into obedience. You don't have to attain a certain level, reach a certain point of, of financial security or whatever to, to step into obedience, whatever it may be. God's not asking for our capability. He's asking for our availability. That's what he's asking for. And when, when we receive, when they receive this blessing, and they were willing to step into obedience. It, what they are picturing for us is the reality that any blessing that comes from God, any blessing requires stewardship. That's an old Bible word, but stewardship. Stewardship is, is the management, if you will, of the resource at hand with a view to the moment when you have to give that resource back to the person who owns it. That's what stewardship is. Management of what I have here. In this moment, what I have, management of this with a view to the moment that I have to return this to its rightful owner. So uh, back in October, my wife had to go and do a, um, she had to go and do a continuing ed. She's like, babe, I got two choices here. I can do continuing ed in Lubbock. No offense to Lubbock. Or I could do continuing ed in Casper, Wyoming. And I thought to myself, well, you should choose Lubbock, obviously. Of course, no. No, you go to Casper, Wyoming, right? So she gets on a plane, goes to Casper, Wyoming. She's got like Friday to Monday there, um, a couple of days of class, but she flies in. Friday flies out on Monday. And um, so she goes and, um, to the rental car place, and they're like, well, uh, Miss Andrew, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for being a customer today. Today we've got this Camry. Again, nothing against Camrys. Or we've got this Dodge Charger. And what do you choose? Everybody in here. You should, you should choose the charger, right? Now, I know that there are some car guys in here and car gals in here. And so let's just know, because there was some free time on her hand, where she, like, like for her, where she got to go and drive. And do, like she got to go up into the mountains and then she got to go up and see a waterfall, like hiked up and saw a waterfall. It was awesome, right? Let's just say that there would be two very different approaches to driving, depending upon if it was me or if it was her. My version of driving in a charger on a mountain road. Hello? You with me with, I mean, like, let's turn this thing loose and see what happens. Do I have any car people in here that that would be the reality? I mean, drive it like you stole it. That would be the, that would be the, the thing. This is not her approach. She's driving like she has to return it because she has to return it. And in that particular case, that is better stewardship of the rental car than I may be, or some of you maybe would have done. This is the idea. Stewardship is the management of that resource, a blessing as it is, with a view to the moment that the rightful owner of it says, hey, I need that back now. 
This is what we're talking about. This is what Mary and Joseph uh, were doing. And, and then we encounter, we encounter Simeon, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So just walk this through. He was righteous. He was right with God. And, and, and people looked at him and said, this is the kind of guy that you want to grow up and be. Um, they, they would point to their kids and go, hey, you see Mr. Simeon over there? Go be like Mr. Simeon. Hey, Junior, you watching? Watch what he does and go be like that. Righteous. But he was also devout. Part of the reason why people wanted to be like him and you wanted your kids to grow up and be like him is because his consistency in this, this, this devotion was shown in the rhythms of his life where you go, oh, look, man, everybody else is kind of chaos or whatever. You know where Simeon is, though. He's doing the thing that he's supposed to be doing. He is righteous and he is devout. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. But then he also says, look, look he was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What in the world does that look like? Or what does that mean? My best guess, because he's righteous and devout, is that he spent some time in the prophet Isaiah. And listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. Just listen. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that her warfare has ended. Her iniquity is pardoned. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all of these sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. A desert, a, a desert, um, excuse me, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain shall be made low and uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain and the glory, listen, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what is it? I mean, you just think about the consolation of Israel, the comfort. Where, where do you turn for something like that? You turn to somewhere like Isaiah chapter 40, where you're like, oh, this is, this is it. This is it. He was waiting for that to become a reality. And, and no doubt the Messiah that he was so, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Again, we talked about this last week. Christ is the New Testament word for Messiah in the Old Testament word. So the Spirit of God had revealed to him good news for you, Simeon. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I'm telling you, you're not going um, to step into eternity. You're not going to pass off the planet until you have set eyes on the Messiah. Oh, oh, what a promise, man. Like all of these centuries now. From Genesis chapter 3, there's going to come one that the serpent is going to strike his heel, but he will crush his head. And then on throughout, Abraham um, up on the mountain, and God's going to provide a ram. David, or excuse me, Moses, and he's going to raise up a greater prophet. David, he's going to put a king who will reign forever on the throne. And on and on. You've got all these promises all throughout the Old Testament. And Simeon's like, and God said, I'm going to set eyes on that. Whew, awesome. So what would it look like? Probably nothing like happened, but just what would it look like? And if you're Simeon in your mind, you're like, oh, is there a conquering king? Because here in Isaiah, 
Again, we'll just stick with Isaiah. Um, if he spends some time in Isaiah, he, did, he knows that there, are, there is a, a promised moment when God is going to just tear open the skies and just come down. So like God's like, Simeon's like, all right, I'm ready. So he's maybe just looking at the sky. I wonder today if God's just going to rip the atmosphere apart and just... Or another picture of the Messiah in Isaiah is the suffering servant. One who's so crushed by the systems of the world, but then overcomes them. So he's looking around like, who's the guy who's taking it on the chin the hardest right now? Or because he's Isaiah, he's spent some time in Isaiah. He knows that there's a baby promised. A virgin shall conceive. Bring forth a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And indeed, that's what happened. Um, But before we run away to the rest of the story, I just want to say, like, there is a stewardship of waiting that we in a microwave society are not prone toward. But the stewardship of waiting asks the question, God, how between today and fulfillment, whatever that day is, how between this moment and that one, how can I be faithful? Continue doing the things that I'm supposed to do, showing up in the places I'm supposed to show up, um, uh, participating in the things I'm supposed to participate in, giving in the ways that I'm supposed to give, speaking in the ways I'm supposed to speak, um, doing the things that I'm supposed to do. How can I do those things while I wait? What does it look like to be faithful between here and there? There's a stewardship, um, a stewardship of waiting. But there's also a, a stewardship of fulfillment so, so look in verse 27, he came in the spirit in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. So just picture this, Mary and Joseph, six weeks into parenting, everybody. Okay. Let's just put that back on the table here. Six weeks into parenting. They're walking into the church for the first time. They're supposed to do some rituals there, offer the sacrifice there. They're supposed to take care of that. Some guy shows up. He's like, Hey, can I hold your baby for a moment? Every mom in here is like, listen, I'm six weeks into this. I haven't slept. I'm sore in ways that I ought not be. Don't make me kill you right here because I will. So he grabs the baby. And in my mind, I don't know if this is how it happened or not, but just out of the sheer joy of all of this, he went all Lion King on it like, like this, right? Holding the baby up like, oh, this is unbelievable. I'm seeing this. There's not only a stewardship of waiting. There's also a stewardship of fulfillment. And that, that, like, I am now seen, like, this is happening. God said I was going to see, the Spirit revealed to me that I was going to see the Messiah. And now I've all grabbed the kid from the mom's arm. I'm holding him up, like, this is the moment. I have, this is it. That stewardship of fulfillment. And, and, and if the question of the um, stewardship of waiting is, how do I walk faithfully until then? The question of fulfillment, the stewardship of fulfillment is, how then do I release this? And what is the result of that? And the, the, and the answer is joy. How do I release this? I answer with joy. And it shows up in this incredible song. Verse 28, he took him up in his arms, blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace. Stewardship of fulfillment meant, oh, well, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Oh, check. Okay, what now? 
You're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. No kidding, right? And Simeon blessed them and said to his Mary mother, and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul also so that the thoughts of many um, hearts may be revealed. That's the story. That's nothing like you thought was going to happen. You show up to church, going to do the thing. God grabs your baby, holds him up, sings a song, blesses you. Yeah, it's all sorts of craziness. There's joy all throughout. And I, I just want to give you a couple of things to think about here um, as we um, finish this. When it comes to joy, that, that it's, it's the blessing. It's the blessing that brings the joy. But blessing is what yields joy in Simeon's life. And so you, you've got... Um, uh, Mary and Joseph, you've got Simeon, you've got this encounter and that blessing, the blessing of God revealed, but also um, uh, uh, the blessing of Mary and Joseph. We'll talk about it in just a second. J- just to be clear, though, I don't want to go run past this word. It's not blessing as you and I typically encounter that word today. Blessing as we, can, as we typically encounter that word today is about one of two things. Making my life easier. Oh, there was a parking spot close to the store. This What a blessing. That's not really what we're after here. Making my life easier or rescuing me from what's normal. That's such a blessing that I'm not having to deal with it like everybody else is. Uh, My wife and I uh, did some traveling over Thanksgiving. Some of you knew that. And um, we had a long layover at JFK Airport in New York. Um, And um, it's one of those things where, and some of you may be these people, and that's perfectly fine. I'm so excited for you. But uh, some may be these people where uh, we had like a five-hour layover at JFK, which is not awesome. Uh, But we found ourselves in one of those like clubs where like the airport club thing. I don't know if we were supposed to be there. We've, that's where we found ourselves. And so we got to spend the vast majority of our layover there, not among the you know poor people who had to go sit in the hard plastic chairs at gate B34. You know what I mean? Like we were sitting in the leather. The, the uh, soccer was on. We were watching soccer, eating free food, mind you, not food that we paid for. This is amazing, right? And every so often I would think, oh, those poor people down there. You know, you kind of come back to it. What a blessing. Saving me from the normal experience of sitting in those hard chairs at the gate. That's how we typically think of it. This is not that. The biblical blessing is, is like this, that we say good and do good. That, that, that's literally what the word means. It, it, it's to say good, to, to speak well over someone and to do accordingly. The biblical blessing is to, to say good and to do good. So um, the, the blessing that came to Simeon was God revealed the promise. And that promise, that, that revelation that God gave him fed joy in Simeon. Because anticipation, if you've got kids, you know that part of the excitement of Christmas is, yes, receiving. That is true. But part of it is also the anticipation. So how do you receive a blessing? Anticipating is part of that. Saying thanks and then using it um, according to what it's supposed to be uh, uh, used for. Like that's all part of the scene. But this revelation of the promise of God, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And Simeon's like, let's go, man. The, the promise fed joy, but also, but also Mary and Joseph obeyed. And because of their obedience, that also fed joy. 
I mean, what if they had blown that off? Be like, eh, you know, I know the requirements are we take to get a church. I don't know, right, 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 but I mean, I mean, we've already had shepherds and an angel. I mean, it's, it's, we got the Jesus box checked up, right? I mean, like literally the Jesus box checked. Mary and Joseph obeyed. And their obedience, I'm sure, fed their own joy, but also it fed Simeon's joy. Here's the question for you and for me. What if my obedience feeds somebody else's joy? What if my willingness to say yes to the good things and to the hard things, um, to the things that make sense and the things that not so much? I don't know about this, God. What if my obedience in that moment, that little prompting by the Spirit's like, hey, you need to go do this. Eh. What if my obedience in that moment fed somebody else's joy? Blessing, that blessing leads to joy, produces joy, yields joy. And, and I want to I flip that to say, and this is also true, that the, the cycle of we're blessed to be a blessing runs through joy. And so God's blessing um, to Simeon uh, fed his joy, but also his joy then prompted these blessings. And what are we talking about here? It, it, meaning it was his joy was so infectious that first of all, it could not be contained. He grabbed the kid, held him up again. I'm picturing him holding him up. And then he just started singing a song. Like you're not stopping him from doing this. And so uh, it could not be contained and it had to be shared. It had to be. Well, what would that look like? I'll just give you these three things to think about. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. If you can't read gratitude in that, man, you're missing what he's saying here. God, you have been faithful. You have said what you were going to do, and I'll be dadgum. Here I am experiencing exactly what you said you were going to do. God, you said this, and this is happening. You told me, and this is what has transpired. Thank you, God, for being so faithful to this. Gratitude. Joy comes out, and, and the, the expression of that is gratitude, and gratitude is a blessing to those around us. I, I ran across a, uh, this is two or three weeks ago, um, th- there's, a, there's a group of uh, psychologists and counselors and the institutes that they run or are responsible for who've done quite a bit of work on, um, like studied from an academic side, social sciences side, the, um, the practice of gratitude and the um, uh, neurobiological uh, effects that it has on, on me as I express gratitude as well as the person that I am uh, expressing gratitude to and all this kind of thing. So, I mean, gratitude. And here's what they've discovered. I just made a few notes here is that those who practice gratitude in that moment, they cannot feel anger because anger and gratitude cannot coexist. Like in that moment, they can go back to being angry, but when they're practicing gratitude, they can't feel anger. They also can't feel jealousy. Well, I wish I had that. If you can stop in that moment and be grateful for what you have, you can't feel that jealousy that may be consuming you. And uh, John Gottman who's up in the Northwest runs the Gottman Institute. They've done a ton of great work on marriage. Um, uh, Most of their work revolves around contempt and he calls it gratitude is the antidote to contempt in our intimate relationships, particularly marriage. You, You can't have gratitude and contempt living in the same moment. You can't. 
And so we, he actually set up a thing, it's kind of fun, uh, where they call it uh, um, uh, gratitude tennis. And so uh, if I'm uh, uh, here, uh, Fran's on the front row here, so I'll just pick on her. If I'm practicing this and this works in, they've done it in marriages, they've done it in parenting, they've done it in office spaces, and this is how it works. They set a three-minute timer because otherwise it may feel cheesy to some people and some people it still feels cheesy, but that's a three-minute timer. And, and then um, in that three minutes, I serve and I say, Fran, here's what I'm grateful today and I express something that I'm grateful for. And then she has to return and say, oh, well, today I am also grateful for da, 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 da. And then I hit it back. I hit the ball back to her. And for three minutes, we go back and forth. Or if you're in a group setting, around the circle, if you will, expressing gratitude. And what they found is just three minutes, just three minutes, that that changes people's, like, uh, like at lower stress levels, and it puts people walk out with smiles on their faces. It's true in marriages. It's true in parenting. It's true in uh, uh, workplaces where they practice this kind of thing. Because of the effects of gratitude, joy ends up being a blessing to many others around. And you think to yourself, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Cheesy psychology. That seems like I'm faking it. Not really. If you can start digging around in you, the old song, Count Your Many Blessings, like if you could start digging around in you to find things that you are genuinely grateful for and have the opportunity to express those, think about those people who are around you, that, that it will not only change you, it will also change them. And even better if I have something about Fran in particular that I appreciate, if I show her um, that appreciation and express that appreciation to her, it, it kind of doubles the impact. Gratitude. It cuts through the darkness. It's the antidote uh, to contempt. You're not faking it. You're just aligning your life with what's true. Secondly, um, generosity. Look, verse 33. His father and his mother marveled at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them. And the reason why I think this is important, because, again, you just picture Simeon grabs the baby from Mary, holds it up, again, whether or not, holds it, okay, and this is, and then he's like, God, you did it. This is amazing. And then his thoughts went to the family, and he blessed them. He was having a moment, and then he blessed them. And then spoke to Mary. Of all people, he spoke to Mary. Not Joseph, spoke to Mary. It went from, hey, this joy that I am feeling is incredible. And I'm not going to just hold it for myself. It is so infectious that it cannot be contained. And so, yes, I'm going to sing a song of praise to God. That is amazing. And then it has to be shared. I'm blessed to be a blessing. And joy is kind of the middle portion of that. And so my joy is pouring out in blessing. And I'm going to bless you, family. That's what he's saying. What kind of generosity are we talking about? It is primarily an open-heartedness. And, yes, an open-handedness. God, you've blessed me with these things. I want to give them. You've given me time. I want to be a good steward of that, and I want to give it away. You've given me the opportunity to encourage and people who are around. And so I want to be an encourager. You've given me resources. And so I want to leverage those resources through generosity in order to see your kingdom come in people's lives and let other people know about who you are and what you've done. Generosity. And lastly, um, I just, I, I mean, it's the gospel. At the, he blessed him and he said to Mary, Behold, this child is appointed to the rise and fall of many in Israel. And to a sign that is opposed. A first century 
Roman Empire sign that everybody would hate? Like, what would be a symbol in the first century of the Roman Empire that everybody would hate? We've got a few around this place, like there and there. A cross would be one of the things that they would hate because it it represented um, Roman domination and power and, and authority and execution. He's appointed for the rise and fall of many and to a sign that is opposed. And a sword is going to cut through your own soul also, Mary. Just be ready for that. He pointed to the reason. Look back into his song here. Verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. How did they see it? Well, he's holding the Savior. That's how. He knew what was coming. He had read Isaiah. He knew that there was terrible suffering for the chosen one. But he also knew that that suffering, even though it would consume him, it would not ultimately define him. He would rise from the dead in overcoming it. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles. Previously they walked in darkness and now you're setting something on display that they can turn to. And glory to your people Israel. All of these promises about the Messiah that you've made, now you have done it. What you have said you were going to do, you have done. I've seen your salvation. The the joy expresses itself, yields the blessing of turning, pointing people to the gospel. I'll give you um, one thing to think about. Just as we uh, think about Christmas season, as we think about a new year and everything that comes along with it. If you've been around our church family, you've seen this before, uh, this pyramid here. And I, I want to think about us as we are a blessing to our community, to your families, to your neighborhoods, to your workplaces. Um, we talk about it around here. That when we point pe- people to the gospel, it starts with kind of the baseline um, expectations of our church family is a culture of invitation that we consistently invite people to church. Hey, uh, do you go to church anywhere regularly? It's always the regularly that gets them. Um, no, I, 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 no. Um, well, we'd love for you to join us at Heritage Park. And you just make step into that as part of the conversation, a culture of invitation. It's not a one-time event. It's just part of who we are. And then that conversation can, it does at times, lead to um, other conversations. And that's an opportunity where you get to tell your story. You get to say, man, this is how God has uh, worked in my life. This is how God has shown mercy in my life. This is how he has brought healing and wholeness to my life. This is the way that he has sustained me through these really dark, terrible, hard times. This is how he has been at work to make me into who I am today. And I'm standing today as a testimony to the power of God. And that's why my joy is overflowing. People are like, well, I don't understand all of that, but that's a good enough story. I want to... I want to hear more. I want to step into that. I want to be a part of that. And lastly, that we get to share the gospel, that top part of the pyramid, where we actually get to tell of a God who, in his love for every single person that is in our lives, not, not one person. Remember what he said? I'm, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared in the presence of all the peoples. We don't have people in our life that God um, can't save. There's nobody in our life who's too far beyond uh, the pale. So we, we step in and we say, God, there is a God. Uh, we step into this conversation. There is a God and he loves us dearly. And he proved that love for us by sending Jesus to die and to rise again so that we can live with him forever and ever and ever. And we invite them into God's family by sharing the gospel with them. This is how this unfolds. Every 
Every Sunday, we celebrate this. Every Sunday, our joy kind of collectively gathers, and then, and then it can, um, as, we, as we deploy into our work weeks, whatever that may look like, as you deploy into your holidays, that kind of, it then can become a blessing to those who are around us. So the question then is this. The blessings that you have received, are, are they spinning up joy inside of you? And then that joy, is it translating to be a blessing to others through your gratitude expressed through your generosity, your open-heartedness toward others and through pointing people to the gospel, the good news that Jesus is in charge of the world. I'm going to offer a prayer for us. And what I'd like us to do in this moment is just take a moment, think about those, those three words, gratitude, generosity, and gospel, and see if God doesn't have something specific for you to maybe walk out of here with. Let me offer a prayer first, and then we'll go um, into our uh, time of reflection and response. Uh, Father, I, I pray um, for us as we have heard you this morning, been prompted this morning, been pushed a little bit this morning. I pray that uh, we would receive all of that. And I pray, Father, that there would be, um, by your Holy Spirit, uh, there would be kind of individual applications for everybody here. For those, those who are watching online, there would be individual applications. I need to do this. What we don't want to have is just a moment, a religious moment. but we really do want to be changed by you. And so please, God, would you let that be? Above everything else, would you please let that be? We want to experience your transforming power in our lives. We give you all of this now in Christ's name. Amen and amen.